0: I feel like falling in
1: love. I'm in the mood to fuck something up. I need some drink in my cup. Hey, I'm in the mood to fuck something up. I wanna go missing.
0: Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King podcast. It's your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious podcast for humans Simply Being Humans. And today is a special one, honestly, a conversation I've been wanting to have for quite some time now. And I guess I found another very um, methodical, very, you know, in their mind, thinks about the things they really don't got to think about right now, but they still thinking about the things, you know, real deep thinkers, you feel me? You got to get deep with us today. And I presented something to my guest of today, and she was like, oh, I actually just talked about that the other day. So I feel real good about this conversation we're about to have. And um I am so, so glad to welcome to the platform, to welcome to Simply King Pod, Francesca Lamar. How are you feeling? I'm good.
1: I'm feeling really good. Applause. What up, Joe, everybody? Let's
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. A little hand clap, hand clap. Okay, cool. So let us drive right into this. Now, to try to kind of catch you guys up on what I try to present as a conversation piece. It's crazy how I feel like, you know, more and more content came to support what we had to say. <laughs> um, and I appreciate I am so glad for, you know, shout out to FD Signifier for a hell of a detailed video. Definitely gave me a lot of new language to explain things I felt like I already felt, but it was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, oh, I can oh, I know I knew that word, but I didn't even know that was a good way to describe this." Okay. Haha. <laughs> so, I really want to engage in um, in a conversation that really speaks to this whole you know idea of gender war this whole idea of you know where it always feels like on the internet it's always a a man versus woman thing uh, uh, uh you know someone who identifies as such an either or being pit against each other in some way shape or form um or the other sides trying to make sure the other side the, the internal fighting is happening like oh yan what type of man would you be if you do this and so on and so forth and i Enjoy the laughter, enjoy the jokes, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, what else after this? Like, are we ever going to get to a solution at the end of the day? Oh, y'all kind of want to still be together? <laughs> y'all kind of still want to interact? Y'all still want to coexist? So I guess the reason to be adversarial kind of gets to the point of why and for what for, you know? But, um, but first, let's get into who you are, okay? First, you from the damn D, right? And I heard it's not too cold in the D right now, right?
1: It's hot. It's 100 degrees. Um, oh, supposed to
0: be 100
1: degrees on Wednesday. Ooh. Like 80. See, so it's hot. I got air conditioning, so I'm not feeling the heat. But. <laughs> hey,
0: shout out, shout out, shout out to Central Air and Conditioning. I'm telling you. Um, so yeah. t- tell the people exactly what it is that you uh, spend your time doing the most other than just, you know, saying dope things, creating dope art, you know, you know, d- to name a few things, you know, you just tell them everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm in my, my third iteration of life, but um, right now I'm really investigating how the intersections of tech play and... Um, yeah, tech play and art can, like, create more, like, exciting and just worlds for queer and Black people. Um And so I am some, I come from the the school of illustration, fashion, photography, filmmaking, um, and I have a podcast myself. But right now, I've just really been interested in, like, how can we engage tech because we're all on it? Yeah. We are all, all have to use it, right, because of pandemic and so many other things. And, like, how can we make these worlds that we exist in, coexist in online be more exciting for for us. Yes. Yeah. For us, I mean black people and queer folks. Um and so yeah, that's where that's what I'm focusing on right now, like how to just engage um with tech in a more interesting way. Um, in ways that we haven't thought of right now.
0: Mm. You know but, what's <laughs> you, you, what, no, I was gonna say what's interesting about that it is um I think I think about like how social media came on and it felt like something that was a hobby to us at first. You know, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but I remember it feeling like just something fun to do after school, something something to talk about when you went to school, something to talk about, you know, a way to, you know, as you got older, it was a way to just communicate uh, with people in a particular way. But now it truly does feel like um, this parallel world to life in a way to where, you know, the issues that happen in the real world find their way to be things that are addressed on these platforms because they are obviously not addressed either by way of, you know, pronouns, by way of, you know, certain representations, certain celebrations, certain, um, certain just acceptance or better yet, certain policies being created for protection of certain people because people don't even know that certain things are offensive. It's like, oh, we can't say that or we can't do that or whatever, whatever. And it's crazy indicative of how the world is, but it's like, Social media is not going anywhere, being probably one of the craziest, most embedded pieces of technology to us. I guess, what have you uh, learned from this new journey that you're on, you know, that you kind of what have you learned the most? I guess what was some of the things that you've learned from being in the space, especially because I'm not sure how long it's been, but it feels kind of, I guess, new to you still. Right. It's
1: been, it's been a, like I would say about a year's process for me of like really just learning how tech operates. Um, but what I'm learning is that people are lacking a lot of the things that are like the foundations to life like you know we like you spoke to we got online because we wanted to connect right we wanted to stay connected when we weren't in physical spaces with each other and a lot of the algorithms a lot of the just features and things that that come on these apps are again mirroring the world that we live in and we live in a capitalist world and so people I, um, I'm noticing and just researching, people just don't feel, all, feel like they're having authentic connections online because it might be blocked by likes or it might be blocked by notifications and all these things that aren't natural to how we experience connecting with each other. right? And so I'm just really, like right now, it's still morphing, it's still evolving because I'm still learning, but I, I'm really trying to investigate ways how to create more authentic connections online. Mm. right what if what if the algorithm was something that you design right and specific to your your needs and your wants and your desires and it could shift and change and evolve as you do and not be this speculative thing where it's this outside voice like telling you you know with like we have these suggestion features right and it's just like well i already follow who i want to follow Exactly. while that, that feature might be nice right but it, it could be it could be better if the algorithm was set up differently, right? If the mm-hmm. algorithm wasn't set up to like put us in these different stations, right? Yeah. Um, and so I just really been learning about like what are the things that we want to do. Like you spoke to it, and I think this is something that's been highlighted to me recently is that it was supposed to be a place of play, right? And so I've really been investigating how to make just more fun worlds, right? Yeah. How do we decenter on? How do we decenter like instant gratification? How do we decenter the monopoly of it all, and like a a human experience, human connection.
0: Damn, a lot, a lot came up when you said that. I think um, it's crazy how we just, yeah. Like, I remember somebody asking me, um, "Have I met? Have I like made more connections from like a relationship standpoint on dating apps?" than anywhere else. And I was like, shoot, I feel like I done hooked up more people on damn Instagram and everything else. <laughs> I feel like that was what made it weird. But I think yeah. what's interesting to me is we live, in, we live in a time where it's like, we have to kind of consider so much about how we present ourselves. And I think we literally had, there's been a whole new level of anxiety that's now been created due to social media, which is like, we already had enough, you know? <laughs> and, and now we have this what would you say you know in terms of because I, I feel like now it feels like now it's kind of just a I don't know kind of just feel like we kind of are just numbers in a money grab of things you know um, the whole idea of like Elon Musk buying Twitter and them using this as a, a, some type of symbol of freedom of speech which I really want people to really understand what the hell freedom of speech means but nevertheless Mm-hmm. I would love to know like how has I guess how has that knowledge impacted how you have you know engaged personally online now do you yeah. do you, re, do you uh, engage a little bit differently because of the things you've learned or what have I guess what have you shifted
1: I think so when you, when you think about learning the process of like taking information and receiving it and comprehend comprehending it and then now shape-shifting and creating something new with it I've always had these questions, right? These aren't new questions that just came about. Um, I personally, I grew up somewhat sheltered in the sense that I didn't have, not in the sense that I was things weren't available to me or things that were like intentionally um, shielded from, but I just didn't have a lot of busy time on my hands. Um, And I'm sorry, I didn't have a lot of uh, sitting around time on my hands. Mm. And so I was very busy as a kid. um, So like I didn't have a lot of time to watch TV. So I already don't have these natural social conditions to where I'm like leaning in to see what the crowd is doing. And so naturally, my feet was always very curated by myself. Mm. Um, and I would often have conversations with people close to me because they would get frustrated. Even speaking to like how I got into the conversation we're going to have today, I was dating this man. And he was like, I'm so sick of people telling that, telling us online that they hate men and niggas ain't shit and yeah. all of this, right? Yeah. And I, had, I, had a, I sat him down had a conversation with like, well, who are you following? Right, like you have control over who you follow, and so thinking about these ways that people know these things, right? But we've been conditioned to operate differently. Yes. Um, and it takes people like myself and people like him, because he's also a revolutionary person, to like really see the cogs in the system and be like, oh shit, I'm in, the, I'm getting trapped into the, the web, right? Oh yeah. So what is the what is the power that I have today that I can change that? Mm, the yeah, web. I can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I filter out a lot of just things that I don't want to see. I filter a lot of things that I do want to see, things that might make me uncomfortable so that I can grow. Right. And so everything like while we want to have fun online, I think we also need to critically engage online. And so I'm also interested in creating spaces where we can do that, like where we can actually have discourse that is not not just about disagreeing. Right. Because disagreeing is great. It's needed. But also, like, how do we get to a place where we can actually see and understand each other, too?
0: I feel that I feel that on so many levels, and I think um, I need to do better with that on my on my own. But I think I've done pretty good to keep my. To, I, I don't know. I guess I have the context to be able to, On um, the nuance. I, I feel like I approach social media with nuance to where I understand like this is something that somebody specifically feels, and they're expressing something very specific to them, or maybe projecting something inside them. Yeah. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. I do uh, something that you said when you was talking about the algorithms. Really, uh, brought an idea or a question to me, like, because I don't think everyone understands what the hell an algorithm is, and and um, to know that an algorithm is something that you can, you know, somewhat design to do a particular thing and react in a particular way with another action happens. i in me trying to understand social media myself. i realized how binary and how specific
1: yeah.
0: algorithms have to be, and for you to excel on those algorithms. You have to also be a person who is binary mm-hmm. and specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast, but anybody who's listening, the way that I've kind of figured out specifically Instagram and why people always and also TikTok. Why I, why I see so many people speak to uh, I quote unquote, quote unquote, the white sides of both of those apps and try to figure out how these very simple things that these people can do. Be kind of rewarded with so much because it is a reward to get this algorithmic uh, favoritism, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, because it it can ultimately lead to money, can lead to deals, can lead to you know so much exposure, and you probably not may not even have nothing to show for it because all you did was a you know a little TikTok dance or something. Right. <laughs> but I think what I've had to tell people is that you being black <laughs> or you being whatever and the thing like you might just be a MUA. You might just be a fitness coach you might just be an artist but the fact that you also loudly and proudly express all the other things that you are now you kind of you mixing this shit up a little too much it's too much in the soup we don't know where to send you are you queer okay we're going to send you to the gay side where they just talk about pride all pride all year but that's not all that you are you're a black woman as well oh well we're going to just send you to you know women who do lashes. You don't even wear lashes. You don't even like stuff like that. <laughs> now now, now your, your things are getting so mixed up. People who don't even really, who really aren't even looking for your content are being sent your content because they're just guessing, you know? While white is white. You could just be white and it's just, it is what it is. You are the gardener on TikTok. You are the such and such on TikTok. But when you are the black gardener, it's like, mm-hmm. oh no, we got to send them to the to the black only things. You know, it's, it's very weirdly... Scientifically segregated, and that's kind of what I've realized and understood. But maybe, maybe I'm all the way off. Please tell me if I'm even close. Well, you know,
1: like, <laughs> there's actually a documentary out called "Coded Bias," um, and mm-hmm. it speaks about how thinking about you know when building tech, right? Who are the people building tech? They weren't black people, right? They were white people, and so there's an inherent bias in the technology that we're using, right? Um, even down to the, the the filter systems, right? They weren't designed to like see our dark skin. Mm. <laughs> they were designed to see white skin. And so if if the if you're and this is the part about researching and why I'm excited to break into tech because we need more Black people in the research phase. Because if your if your research questions are biased, then your products are going to be biased, right? And so you can't you can't change or grow from there, right? And you're yeah. not going to be able to actually have an algorithm that supports all people. You're just gonna have the algorithm based off of the bias that you researched on. Um, And it's a great documentary. I think it's on Netflix now. Okay. So now it's like more available um, to everyone to watch, but beautiful documentary, just kind of talking about how, you know, racism touches everything. So, (laughs) especially, you know, in America. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we have to really sit and think critically about, about how we engage and at the same time, like even saying that, I realized like that's hard work. And so I don't expect everyone to sit and do that work. Right. But I do expect people who are like committed to like making change in, in, in real impactful ways to sit and do that work because we have to like there's there's no there's no good around it. Um, and so um, yeah, I'm just really interested in seeing where tech can go. There's a few different companies that I've been following that are growing and doing really beautiful work one of the apps it's called somewhere good where they basically designed the app to create a, a space that they're investigating can we create a space that is safe for black people online and the app dropped in april of this year um and so i've been enjoying that app really well it's taking away from again the notifications and the algorithm in sense and so it's this it's a voice it's basically designed to feel like a kickback mm. just have a conversation keep it moving. There isn't like this timeline. So there's no like sequence of like, okay, how long have I been or how many months? So like, you just come in, you have your conversation and you leave. Um, and I love it so far. So there's, there's many other apps, but like that one, I'm really, really loving. I love the work they're doing.
0: I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. It it sounds like what, uh, the innocent, Idea of what clubhouses was supposed to be. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Who knew it was going to turn into moan rooms and and so many other things?
1: You know, life, life,
0: you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I feel like that was, I feel like I've seen that somewhere where they said, like, as soon as the internet was invented, like, porn was like one of the first things on it. So I, I'm not surprised that that Clubhouse got a little, little salacious a little quicker than it thought it would. But, um, <laughs> the unknown is a place
1: for people to explore, and like that's a freedom that I never want to take out of technology, right? Yeah. Now. Because this idea of this new world is like where we're going to build all these these better worlds, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's I think it, it makes literal sense for humans to be like, oh, this is a weird place that nobody knows what it is. We're going to do what the fuck we want here, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, you know? Yeah, let loose the, the new frontier, but no, so. Pivoting, pivoting to, you know, into the main conversation, I think, um, when I think about like what I feel like I have gotten a lot of attention for on on social media, particular episodes, particular just random posts, um, it's always, 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 always. I remember when I first started making content in any type of way, everybody thought that I was about to be motherfucking the next Rob Hill senior or something, just, be out here just talking to women about how you can be you know you need to respect yourself and be a life coach and talk about this and talk about that and screaming and just screaming out loud and then um then you just kind of it got to a particular place now in content where it feels like there's now two sides you know and there's people who make content directly about these things now it's not even just a conversation that comes by way of just happenstance of a, of a singular, you know, comment within a, a piece of content. It's like the whole damn podcast is about basically mm-hmm. arguing with each other, <laughs> basically coming up with these like, okay, y'all. So I know everybody asks, but let's we just gotta say it. Is it wrong if and like <laughs> thoughts about just something that really you should never have really that many thoughts about but here we are and
1: it creates all of these wanna... Sorry, not to no. I, was, I think people no. want to space to have these uncomfortable conversations yeah um and so yeah <laughs> and, and, and i think people don't know how to
0: like i don't know engage with that other than um kind of put it on social media at times but i get it you know content is content i guess for people but uh do you believe that this kind of like gender warp is like especially different for black people because i feel like i don't know i feel like maybe i'm just not following the white sides of every app but mm. i feel like i definitely don't see uh i don't know it feels a lot different like i feel like anytime i catch opinions from uh, white men who have these platforms where they speak about women and all these various things these motherfuckers be doing it on, like, the stages of, like, Ivy League schools and shit. <laughs> they, be, they, be, they be doing lectures about how they believe women ain't shit. It'd be wild to me, mm-hmm. but they be getting it off. And then I see, you know, some, a man, you know, a black man with a beard and a mic <laughs> kind of trying to get the same thing off, but just with a little bit more, you know, spice, I guess. Do you believe it's especially different with us than other people?
1: I think everything is especially different, you mm-hmm. know? When, I mean, we have to think about in a sense of like, we talked about it, right? The algorithm like, and how like that doesn't work for human because like that's not who we are as humans, right? We're complex beings. And obviously being Black here in America, that's another filter on there that like changes how we experience, you know, different things in life. Um, I definitely think because historically Black people have been deprived of care and care being one of the central focus of romance or connection, the way that we engage around the topics around um, men and women, or dating, or whatever you want to call it, gender, right? All of those things are going to look historically different, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we've been through a lot of historically different things, um, and so I think, yeah, I think I think the thing for me that I've noticed most when it comes to having these conversations around, you know how men and women um, or people operate with each other is this this inherent lack of care for black people yeah and so all of us are trying to figure out how to get the most care we can from from someone else right Mm -hmm. um because we've been deprived of it for so long yeah uh, on so many levels like historically from this country um there's been like no show no display of care for black people um and so it's 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 a very (laughs) uneasy process to digest and see right because I think inherently, and I don't always like to speak in monoliths, but I think inherently we all are desiring that deeply from each other, yeah, especially from us, right? Yeah, um, and so it's it's not going to be pretty work. <laughs> it's going to look ugly. It's going to look like how it looks. It makes sense that it looks how it looks, right? Yeah, um, because we we want it bad. We need it bad, <laughs> and
0: and you, and you know that's. Kind of what I've taken from this, you know, growth of the black manosphere, what some people on Twitter may call black incels, sometimes, (laughs) Um, because I think I immediately didn't understand the uh, talking points Mm -hmm. being very similar to things that I feel like I've heard from these distinguished individuals like Jordan Peterson and and all these different folks who uh, speak to this like very uh, repackaged misogyny and Mm -hmm. um, to make it almost seem. Uh, to, to make it basically be empowerment, to be repackaged, to be empowerment to uh, to just people who identify as male in a particular sense, and especially in a quote-unquote uh, heteronormative sense. And I think that what I've gotten from it all is that, uh, at least for black men, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to... I, I, even after watching uh, FD Signifiers whole video, I still don't get how we get to this, and it's sad. But yeah. for black men being in a position where there's... Um, uh, there is some reason to be upset. There is some reason to feel lost. There is some reason to feel like there's a void within you and your identity and to your purpose. Um, I didn't understand how they. this was something that so many men flocked to. But I think that uh, what I do see from it and only positive I see from people who do follow the Kevin Samuels and the various different uh, people who are part of the Black Manosphere and all these different types of content is that it feels like for. The first time, I think a lot of more black men are trying to shift or trying to get answers to something. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that that's a bad thing. I just think where they're getting answers from may not be the best places. But I think <laughs> the fact that they're at least seeking it out yeah. and like yeah. having conversations, like I feel like there's more language being all thrown in to the situation where, you know, people are actually understanding what masculinity is. They're having to question certain things about themselves. They have to ask. Well, I don't like the idea that I got it because I'm a man, I got to take care of you. Just the mm-hmm. idea of like, just based off of what I identify as, this is going to be an inherent thing I also have to do. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's about doing it, I don't know, in a, in a productive way, I guess, you know? Um, well, how how do you think we can get past Um these uh, $200 dates and these <laughs> type of conversation and get to a more progressive place, I think, because um, I feel like so much has been, we've, at this point, so much has been said to where mm-hmm. I've seen people, I've seen new generation and new generation of people getting into, uh, coming into adulthood, continuously restarting the conversations. And mm-hmm. it's always, it's like, I guess it almost feels like Once you get close to the 30, you kind of just check out of social media or just, you know, you worry about your kids and you don't even mix it up no more. That's that's some, you know, that's some other stuff. But I do think it still affects us, though. I do think it's still things we need to kind of talk about and create uh, new language and new things around. Like, how do you think we progress from that, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think so. For right now, I think I've kind of rested on. I think it looks like aggressive curiosity, like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: aggressively being curious about not just yourself because it does start there, um, but each other. Um, and then also aggressively inviting curiosity in. Um, just the other day, I was I had was cooking for this event. It was a tea party. And um, it was a close friend of mine's party event she curated. And her cousin was helping out, um, it was a man, he was helping us like pack up and things like that. And we were just kind of having a wrap up conversation with the whole crew and just talking about how this was the first tea party where we felt like we, saw, we had a lot of men that were there that came to the tea party. Come um, on. My friend she typically curates very soft feminine spaces mm-hmm. and we were having a conversation around around that Literally, was just like, yeah, you know typically curates soft and, and like he was like, so what does that mean? And like I love that he you could tell he was uncomfortable with asking like what is softness? but like still doing that. And then us not being like, Oh my God, what you mean? What is all. But like aggressively being curious with them, like, yes, let's have this conversation. Let's mm-hmm. engage. Each
0: other. Mm-hmm. Let's be
1: curious about each other. I yeah. think that's a, I think that's a natural kindness in humanity is to be curious of one another. And so I think that's what we're seeing too. When we think about these videos, it's like, there's just aggressive curiosity, but it's, it's not coming out that way. It's coming off, coming out in this very like, I've already decided that whatever position you are is a a threat to me. right? Um, Rather than like, no, we can actually learn from each other. Um, And so like when we shut our minds off to thinking that like this, this, this opportunity or this space can be a learning one for me, then you're not, you're no longer curious. You've already decided, you know, what the answer was. You already decided X, Y. So we have to be more aggressive in our curiosity.
0: So to me, I I like that, you know, you say aggressive curiosity because I think for me, that's what I've gotten to with a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know who have, cause now, now it is something that people are now uh, kind of t- tiptoe around, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, God bless the dead, here, but who would ever thought that we would be sitting here, you know, talking about the man, talking about a man coming into this, you know, to everybody's realm of influence for him mm-hmm. to now be a buzzword probably a, almost a first day question. Kevin Samuels became a first like, do you listen? Do you do you watch Kevin Samuels? Like, it, it started to become a thing. was so funny. And to not to and I, I made a post and the post did fairly well. My best friend calls me. He was like, bro, bro, dead. He's dead, and I'm like, no, he's not. I haven't. I'm I'm googling it. I'm seeing. I was. I don't see nothing. He was like, bro, I'm in Atlanta. Somebody told me. I don't think it's out yet because I think this is one of them things people don't want to believe it, but it's 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 about to happen. They about to let it out. I'm telling you. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So he was like, you need to make a post right now because it's about to go crazy. You need to get ahead of it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And all I did was, all I did was literally just. Literally create something. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm seeing this is happening. Hey, Kevin, if you around, if you good, let it be known. Because this is kind of strange. But it is going to create a hell of a conversation. Because a lot of people didn't like you. A lot of people weren't fond of the person that you presented yourself mm-hmm. to be. Because it, if anything, he, he seemed so um, like this is me. Like, take this as I am. I am not playing with y'all. I'm saying this. I'm standing on this. So on and so on and so forth. And it gave so much... Licensed to so many other people to then repeat his rhetoric be like, no, there's something wrong with y'all because y'all don't listen to him and so on and so forth. I did not expect for us to be in this situation to where we're now talking about him in past tense Mm and in a, in a, in a, in a very (laughs) indefinite way. And, um, but I do think that, you know, what I get from it all and what I've gotten even in conversations with him, because I've I've had to tell him like because I know he is an an artist who is provocative and is intrigued by the provocative in so many different facets. So he listens to all these things and he's pulling out whatever perspectives he can to possibly create some type of um, art from that. Like this is what so many men are thinking. Let me create something from this to show the world this is what's happening or to show them this is how they really look. Mm -hmm. So many different things. And I, I, I love his process. So I understand him, but I know him. And I've had to tell him because he's had some very weird exchanges with people. And I was like, bro, when people ask you, do you listen to this type of stuff? Put it in context. (laughs) Because if you just say, if you just say, yeah, I listen to Kevin Samuels, they're immediately saying, oh, so you're for that. You're for these things. And if that is not what you really feel, you got to say that, my God. (laughs) And um, but I do want us to get to a more progressive space because I do believe overall that if men specifically black men a part of you know who who actually want to be a part of the black community start to heal what that looks like like what will that be what would that what will then happen if you know some of the statistics start to diminish if some of the um wounds really start to you know heal if some of these journeys finally are starting to go on and um, conversations are finally starting to happen. I think they happen in you know in very small capsules and microcosms and different circles of friends, which is great. But on a broad spectrum, I think so many people uh, understand that they don't want to, they don't want to really die on the sword of being the people who are the examples of these things. I, I see it all the time, um, and people even get surprised with me about it. When I, me being somebody who, if my friend invites me to Boys Town in Chicago, I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna think, oh. If I go, then what is everyone's gonna think? What am I gonna do? And maybe I need to wear a certain color to you know make it seem like I'm, I'm, I'm straight. What's a straight color? You know, all that type of shit. I'm never thinking about that. And I, obviously I go, I have a good time, we drink. Do people flirt, do things happen? Sure, Well, I, I'm minding my business, just like I would anywhere. If I go somewhere, <laughs> cause it's crazy to think about it in the inverse. If I go somewhere to a club where it's not considered a quote unquote queer or gay club, like a bunch of women are hitting on me and i don't really want it i'm reacting the same way so what what is it really you know um, it's not that deep to me but i also understand that i'm not them i have i'm have, uh, have had particular exposure i've had particular connections and real true friendships and all these various things so it's like i get it but mm-hmm. to i think i've always pushed back on men who find themselves having such a strong opinion about certain things that I, that they can't even speak to based off of genuine true knowledge or experience. It's just truly something that they seen, something that they heard, something that they've seen from a distance, where it's like, man, I just think it's wrong. I just feel like that's wrong. You don't need to be you don't need to be no man trying to call yourself no woman. I just don't think it's right. And I was like, why? Who do you know that's lived this experience that can tell you exactly why they feel this way? I don't know nobody. I don't ooh, I don't know nobody. But I'm just saying, I'll trust me, I really don't. And it's such a weird It's such a weird exchange But I do believe I do have a theory That Once we start to I won't even call it I don't even want to frame it As like a race Because I do believe Everybody starts their journeys When they start them But I feel like Once the healing starts to begin In a large number What is the impact Of those healed men To the community at large Because we'll still be In a space of patriarchy We'll still be everything else around us, we can all get better, we can all improve. But now we have black people trying to advance and come together internally. What then does that affect? Because I see it often with my friends and I don't know if you see it with men that you believe are great examples who are trying to, you know, be responsible and be better to themselves and better to the people around them. But I see it even with myself, with conversations with friends. Where I say certain things and they be like, "Damn, right! I never thought about that. Well, I've never met a man who questioned that, so I don't even know how to even engage when you with you when it comes to this because I ain't never experienced it. So it's like, damn. So we gonna get to a point <laughs> to where it's like we don't know what to do. <laughs> You're finally doing what I asked you to do, and now I don't know what where, where we got to go. And <laughs> I don't know where where this can go. Do you tell me what you feel about the idea of that? Like, what does a a generation of healed men really look like, at least from in that context.
1: I think it just looks like a lot more compassion for each other. Yeah. Uh, I often, um, I spend a lot of time just kind of researching different scholars, different people in social justice world, um, different writers, different architects of like healing spaces. And there's this trans um, author, writer, speaker, intellectual scholar, Alok, and he broke it down really, really simple. He said like, you don't have to understand me, but you do have to care about me. And mm. so I think if we focus it much more on like the of things, right? Then we'll, we'll be in that space. Like when we're not like seeking to understand, cause like you don't have to really. Like what is you understanding why I see myself as trans have to do with my experience? Right. Really nothing. Like you just have to be a human and care about me. Am mm. I like, trying to shoot me on the street? You just gonna let them shoot me? <laughs> you know? like. You gonna you gonna say bash words towards me, for why? You know, like so. It's 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 really it's sometimes it saddens me that it's so simple. Yeah. Um, because it is really simple. Um, but I think that's what the I think that's what that healing work will look like in in the long term. It's just much more compassion. Yeah. Less binary, less less much less my circle, much more my community. Right. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree, and I think. And I say this, and I say this is, is to mean exactly the way it sounds when I say it, is I think the day that I think so many men collectively start to be more upset at the actions of men who've harmed them in mm-hmm. some some way, I think mm-hmm. so, much can, so much can happen within that space then. And I think that that's the one thing that I think will truly create some type of convergence of... Um, of compassion to kind mm-hmm. of realize and understand because I think so many I've had conversations with so many people about them justifying the actions of their fathers justifying the actions of the men and their families in various ways to be that's just how it is or this is how he is my mama held it down though you know because I was alright I'm good now I'm straight mm-hmm. I'm making money I'm cool I don't even think about him who my sperm donor I don't know him that like that
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. instead of actually engaging as to why there's Mm -hmm. a a disconnect you know and um to be candid i i I remember somebody had asked me because they assumed that i didn't have quote-unquote daddy issues it was like you just don't appear as a person who he was like you 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 seem to you know be very explorative and curious and you're open you're understanding Um, You seem to have a good relationship with uh, the women around you. You seem to, you know, show up in relation in romantic spaces as best as you can. You seem to always want to improve all these various complimentary things. You must not have daddy issues if he's in your life or not. You must Mm -hmm. figure either you either. They just assume that I figured it out or he we just never had a connection for me to even he never had an impact, quote unquote. And what I had to tell him, I was like, no, nah, I think mine is real special. I think it's true uh, indifference. And I don't think that's good. You know, I don't think that's a good place to be. I, I think to, to feel so unaffected, you mm-hmm. know, um, doesn't fit, make me feel better. And I think it's um, indicative to truly, I think I've gotten to a place to where I think it's indicative to who the man he is. He's very distant he's not present. He's not, he's, he's dismissal, you know, he has this dismissive uh, personality. So am I really, you know, quote unquote, good and okay, or am I emulating him in a way that I don't even know about him? Yeah. And, um, and that's what I had to kind of come to grips with. And you know, when I learned that about myself, and when I understood that, oh, maybe this is why, you know, I never really had like, Male mentorship in a particular way, or did this, and and it starts to unravel so many things within me. So I really do want more men to understand that that's something that is going to happen um, because of the world we live in, and I think that so many men are trying their best not to do that because they're. I see so many men defend, defend each other before they even question if there's something wrong with what this man has done. It's like, hey, I don't know if y'all understand. I don't. I, I don't think y'all get what he was saying, or look, we, we, alleged, alleged, I don't know if we know, I don't know if he did that or not, I wasn't there. And it's like, nobody can ever quote unquote go against the team. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you can tell me what you think it is, but I believe it to be um, this real strong morality complex that I, I think a lot of men have of like, I know I've done bad. And if I say that this man has done evil or done bad now, who am I, people are gonna start getting my things. So I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta stay on my p's and q's and try my best to straddle the fence instead of just condemning him because if it if it comes out to justify then I can be like oh that's my boy that's my guy that you look you look because that's what they always do it disgusts the hell out of me but I, I but I but you tell me what you notice from this kind of um, dissonance that I think so many men develop just to be able to exist amongst men because I think that's mm-hmm. a big reason as to why certain things are perpetuated.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think so if we just break down a psychology of a call out or an accountability um conversation, right? It is human to be defensive. Mm. I think I think where we mess up a lot of times when we when we're trying to when we're breaking our psychology of like accountability is that we expect people to be above human. Yeah. Right? Um, and so when doing that, we set ourselves up and we sell. And when I say we, I'm saying everyone, including those that are trying to push a healing culture forward. We put ourselves on these pedestals, right, um, which sets up all of us to fail when when coming to accountable um, conversations. Like I think about the recent thing that I think happened today with Lizzo or whatever she had, like had a um, slur in her song, didn't know it was a slur because it's something specific to Great Britain around a disability. And the first thing she did was deleted the song, remade the song, apologized, all these things. And people didn't know how to respond to that because we haven't seen a system where people actually showed accountability. Right? We, we don't know what that really looks like, specifically yeah. when it comes to, like, Black people. And I don't know if you follow up with the situation or you have even heard of it today, but if I guess you learned about it now.
0: Yeah. I feel like I might have seen it but didn't know, know what, what it was didn't know what they were talking about
1: yeah yeah um but like there's been really no grace shown for her and i think that's a whole other conversation when it comes to the intersection of black women in spaces right yeah but to go back to you know what you were directly asking i think it we have to expect a level of defense like i think that that that's a human reaction yeah um like our body does things when we're being attacked in any kind of way, when we're being, when we're being uh, you know, called out in a way. Um, now, we can't live in that attack space, right? We do have to move forward and push past that. But we, we, we can't expect people to be above human. And I think that's something that we have. And we have to stop expecting ourselves to be above human. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we mirror ourselves after these fictional tales that are broken down to us through religion and different things. And we, we put these unrealistic behaviors, um, expectations on each other. Um, that just don't actually work in the real world. Um, but I, I will say for sure, a lot of times that defense looks like, oh no, they're calling out something that's supposed to be bad and I have done these bad actions. So what how do, who, What does that make me now? And if we have a system that is supporting and perpetuating punishment over actual healing, yeah, then what is someone gonna choose? Yeah. If, if my only two options are I get hung up by the neck or, you know, I retreat and say I didn't do it which option you going to choose. We don't we didn't give ourselves enough, enough options, right? We haven't we haven't been more curious about what that healing journey can look like. We haven't actually been curious about or we haven't even inserted into like reality that we can cause harm. And like mm. that's a thing that's never going to change. Mm. And so we have to reshape how we move through systems of harm. Yeah. They can't look punitive. They can't look um idealistic. They can't be these things. They have to be these fluid spaces you talked about. it. I think the the biggest highlight of this conversation is that we are moving in binaries and we're not binary beings. And I don't mean I that to be like everybody is non-binary, but I mean yeah. like we're fluid, complex, robust, living human beings. Yeah. And there's no white brush or black brush. Like there's lots of colors in between that we have to really like sit down with and get comfortable yeah. and like we have to get comfortable changing what something means like it's 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 an ever-growing ever-evolving thing we're not we're not one dimensional in any way um yeah. and so it's it, it's it i think a lot of times like we have to be more realistic realistic about how uncomfortable we're going to be in this life and like we have to think about morality more is there so many things that we just we, we choose not to think of, we choose to escape from um, and I think that is what perpetuates a lot of us staying in the same place and not moving forward. Um, in a lot of these conversations, mm. it's work. It's hard work. It's work,
0: <laughs> man. It's work. It's work. It's work. And I, I remember having an emotional response to a conversation once, where I, I said that, <clears throat> I said that, it don't feel good that I got to make everybody feel safe. Like, I I feel good about who I am. I know I'm not trying to harm anybody. I know that I'm doing these different things. I feel like I've, you know, started my own journeys and, and figured out certain things about myself. that I'm glad I now know. And it still doesn't feel good when I go into spaces that are unknown or unfamiliar. And I got to make everybody feel OK and feel comfortable. And I got to go through this process with everybody to where, you know, they engage with me and they trying to they kind of bracing themselves for something, you know, and I get it. Aesthetically maybe I'm appearing very You know hotepish which I trust Me I deal with that shit a little too much And I'm letting y'all know from here on Out (laughs) because Juneteenth Is this week (laughs) do not walk Up with me with none of that bullshit (laughs) I'm gonna embarrass you I'm sorry Uh, (laughs) Do not let the the screen name fool you It don't even mean what y'all think it mean So I just I just feel like you know I I want us all to you know you know, as you as you say, I want us all to get free. You feel me? <laughs> I want us all to all, I want us all to to um, to feel better. And I, I say I said it once, you know, after the situation happened with uh, the baby at uh, Rolling Loud or whatever, like. That's the problem, Like that's a real essential aspect of the problem is that motherfuckers are really, truly afraid of freedom and, and, and afraid of it from a standpoint like that's the biggest phobia of them all. It's like people literally expressing themselves in a free way. That is something that creates uh, an adverse feeling to so many different people. I've seen Mm -hmm. it with, you know, women to women. I've seen it with men to men. I've seen it to so many different people walking different types of lives Them walking in their truth or at least attempting to because they still could be dealing with so much. It's just the attempt. It took them so much to wear this, wear these shorts out the house. It took them so much to wear that dress out the house. Just because they knew that it was going to be d- judgment or possible judgment, or there's just self-judgment, just the self-anxiety of that, and that is now judged. Now that is something that people uh, literally meet halfway with people's insecurities, and I think we don't have to live in that type of world. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of, a lot of men have a, definitely what you say, like a lot more complexities to them that they don't want to admit. I think they enjoy the simplicity because that's that world seems a lot simpler instead of looking deeper into themselves
1: um it's hard uncomfortable grueling work yeah Um, and so i think i think again what the solution looks like um because i like to focus on solutions Mm -hmm. i think is if you're someone that's curious enough to consider a different world it's figuring out ways to aggressively invite others into the into the into the authentic experience that you're having Right. Yeah. I think about it all the time. Like, how can I emulate my authenticity to a level where it's like contagious to others? I do, um, too. So, yeah. yeah, just creating those spaces like this is a space that you created to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like um, and like there's, you know, tons of other ways to have these conversations and there's tons of other ways to actually sit down and do the work. Right. You have book clubs, you have all these different things and means of like getting people into a space Where now. It's you know, we're, we are. Connectors. That's the basic design of being human is to connect with other humans. Mm -hmm. When you think about it in every, in, in, in the literal way, in the physical way, in the mental way, in the spiritual way, all of the ways you can think about it. That's what we're, we're, we're here to do. And so thinking about ways where you can get, you know, in a room with some other people, um, and just doing that work, you know, make it exciting, make it fun. So it's like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm curious in investigating ways to make tech spaces fun for us. Like, so that we can actually get into the space where it's, it doesn't the work the work where the work no longer feels like work, right? It feels yeah. like breathing. It feels like it feels like that. Like it's, yeah. it's no longer work, you know.
0: <laughs> I agree. So. I agree. And it's something. It's something that I want to um, uh, say from that. I kind of jotted down from that uh, video, and it, uh, it's a quote from um, I think it's Paul Schneider, who is uh, the director of Taxi Driver. And uh, what was interesting about it, and I think what made it so brilliant to me that he pointed this particular quote out, and that is, uh, your pain isn't unique. And as soon as you come to terms with that, you'll be happier. And I think when you say, you know, it's not, it's less about circle and more about community. I think when a lot of men start to communicate about things that they've been through, because I think it does uh, debilitate you to the point to where you feel like you're the only one. You feel like you, I am the only person who I got to go to, I got to wake up, I got to put clothes and shoes on, go work for some white man in some place that I don't want to be in and come home and do it all over again. I'm the only one going through this in the world. (laughs) And I don't like it. (laughs) And once we kind of make it that simple to be like, to start to expand the conversation to be like, not only you know what I go through, but how can we try to help each other make this a little bit easier if this is where we have to be for for a small amount of time and think about it in that more finite way instead of like this to be the perpetual sense of what we are because i i always look use the uh the example of like the surly old man you know the granddad who who everybody has an example so many people have different examples of in their family where they feel like their granddad is mean and emotionless and kind of just don't want to be bothered but his perspective is he doesn't he done created two, three generations of people, and ain't nobody caring about his birthday. <laughs> ain't nobody caring about him that much. Grandma get all the love, she get all the care, and they just, y'all just bring him a beer and bring him, you know, a little plate every now and again, say hey, but he doesn't know how to vocalize that. He doesn't know how to do that, he doesn't, and he feels like all he had to, all he's done is basically make sure that everybody could at least be here, and he feels like his whole life that was all, and now that he can't do that anymore, he can't work anymore. What the fuck I'm doing here? What the fuck? Y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't even care about what I did that much, cause y'all just say I, that was what I was supposed to do. But, and I think that men have to understand like patriarchy don't help you, man. That shit is a is a is a road to a dead end. And I, I don't know if you, um, are you familiar with uh, Anthony Bourdain? But the name sounds mad familiar very quick synopsis of who he is he's uh he's a white man who uh is a chef writer and um basically like he was a TV personality okay and um became very well known because he basically kind of created the like travel food genre on television to so many degrees he definitely presented in the best highest level so yeah. this man's whole life had Lily is the quintessential probably one of the most interesting people in the world because he literally for work, just traveled, tried food everywhere. From street food in Mongolia to high-end restaurants in Paris. And every episode, he would do all those things. And he would talk and he would do these dope-ass voiceovers and he would meet with the people. He would meet with people at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It was extremely dope and you know, thought-provoking because it was truly a capturing of the human experience by way of food and culture. This man had the he just did all this cool shit. And I always tell people and use this as an example of how patriarchy still doesn't reward you because this man lived this life that people admire, was known for, made all this money. He has all these dope-ass talents because like, as, as, he literally was a chef before anything. And then an author after that. And he killed himself in a five-star suite in Paris. And because of what because of his own internal demons because he had, you know, early early and early addiction to uh, substances and all these various things he was battling with. Lily changed his whole life and lived decades upon decades past that point. we talking about that was in his like he was 19 when he was a uh, when he was on drugs in Maine of all places. And changed his whole life around and lived decades upon decades becoming one of the most successful people in television to this to for him to be the person who is the reason for his own demise and. Um, I always love to tell people that to put it in the context of like you don't know what people go through and this man had every single card in his hands to change his life around to be where he is and he still was dealing with something. He still had a thing. He still had a pressure or a weight and that was another thing that they spoke about in that in that, in that you know in that um video, you know, just. Suicide is truly an indicator of what the world that we live in, the pressures that people feel. And so I feel like, yeah, I want y'all to be good, man. I want y'all to feel better. I want y'all to get some love, you know. I want y'all to, I want, I want people to, I want the idea and the imagination and the, the, the emotions that I feel like I've heard so many women speak to me and speak about the love that they feel for specific men to be actualized without a shadow of a doubt. You know, for that not to be a wavering thing, or for it to be something that's temporary. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I don't know if you felt this way, I, I it, but it always hurts my feelings when I hear my friends speak to you know feeling so strongly about a man and feeling so hopeful about a man and then he, being let down. They damn near don't want to ever feel like that again. <laughs> it's like I ain't gonna never trust no nigga to be a good nigga ever again. <laughs> if this nigga was was did something wrong. Fuck them.
1: Fuck them all. I'm screaming. I get it. I I think, you know, I think humans are much more fragile than we like to, you know, think of ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we're speaking, um, when we have been speaking to the context of specifically Black community, again, we're deprived of care. We've been deprived of care on so many levels, right? So, and this is interesting or something I found interesting in a sense of like so much so that we're so deprived of care that like, when we talk about love, right, yeah. we often are talking about just getting our basic needs met. Yeah. It has nothing to really do with a connection. It has nothing to really do a lot of times with the, the curious natures of different people or like what is actually unique to them. It's much more about like, I want someone to care about me. Yeah. Right. Um, and so... I think, like you know, you're speaking to like when you get that person that you thought could do all those things, right? And then they they prove to like it. Maybe just maybe y'all weren't compatible. Maybe it was you know it could be a number of reasons why it didn't work out. So many. Um, and we decide that oh well, we never gonna find that because this is something that like we don't even we didn't even know was possible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a mental shift, right? It's a mental prisons that we have to step out of that we that we've been put put into and that we have kept ourselves in, right? Because yeah. we didn't we didn't put ourselves in those prisons, but we were, we were staying there. Right. We've been confined to these boxes. Um, and so I get it. I get it. It can be, it can be devastating to think that you like, you found the one or a, you know, a person that you could find that sense of care and connection with and then that not working out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, we have to like, again, we have to create spaces where people feel safe to reimagine.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Spaces where people can actually feel safe to imagine. Right. Mm -hmm. To actually think of things that are not in front of them. Think think of things that you know they've never seen before. Um and that's why I think I think the reason why I've been so focused on play and speculation when it comes to tech in spaces is because I think as adults we've been fed this idea that we had to kill our inner child. And I think that's 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 so far from the truth. I think what we should be doing is feeding that child until the day that we're not here anymore. Right? Um, because we're always that child, which're just you know, we're just evolving and growing and, and, and whatnot. And so the more that we listen to that voice, the more that we expand upon that voice, mm-hmm. um, I think we would find ourselves in, in, in places that we feel more free, in places that we feel more comfortable, with and environments that are actually like peaking that imagination. Yeah
0: um, I feel that. So, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Mm, I, feel that.
1: No, I get it. I get. I get. I totally get the like the frustrations around it. They're very real. They're very valid. It's scary. It's scary yeah. putting your heart out there, right? Again, we're, we're. I think again, we're much more fragile, um, and like than we like to think. I think, I, I do think we deserve tenderness. Um, definitely. I definitely think we deserve tenderness. Um, mm. and I. But I think. Oftentimes I, I have complexes around speaking in these very like fluid liberation spaces, because I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the romance of what like, what is freedom, right? Yes. We can romanticize it when it, it is, it's work too. Yeah. So like, yes, we deserve tenderness, but that tenderness is also going to come with the cold, hard truth. And we have to be more balanced in like our analysis of each other, our analysis of ourselves and our analysis of the world. We can't, We can't be doing and thinking all of the right things in this one space and then in our home life still perpetuating all this toxicity, X, Y, and Z. Like there has to be more balance and more nuance between the two worlds. I agree. Um, And it's something that I think about a lot because I think there is this natural desire or this natural thing that happens with humans where we are often thinking about an elsewhere or often thinking about a paradise right and we're categorizing or like compartmentalizing these spaces when it's like there really is no paradise or elsewhere it's just a work that we have to do
0: yeah yeah and like
1: in that work is the paradise Mm -hmm. um and so yeah, you know, I get it. We, a lot of a lot of people don't want to work. You know, I don't yeah. want to sound that way, but like it, just, it is what it is. Like we tired. Yeah, when <laughs> well, you already done done
0: a lot of things I that mean, feel we're,
1: we're distracted as fuck. Yeah, we're, like, beaten down. Like we're in forever lit and beaten down cities. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many you know reasons yeah. and things that are keeping us from doing the work.
0: Yeah, overstimulation <laughs> so and everything. Work
1: no longer feels like work. Yeah, I think it's when we're gonna have a recipe and a real solution for like actually seeing more of the things that we want, enjoying life more. Like I'm not so much focused on like, okay, we have to get to a better world. I'm like, are we having pleasurable experiences? Mm. Did you have a good time today? Yeah. Right. And like, (laughs) did you make sure that someone else had a good time today too? I think we also have to like recenter what responsibility looks like when it comes from a community standpoint. Mm. It can't be take, take, take. It has to be a give and receive.
0: I agree. I agree. So last question to you is my I actually do a uh, send it on portion of my uh, podcast is my call to action. And so what I want you to do is to let people know how you practice new eyes to grace, because I I tell my friends all the time and uh, one of my good friends, shout out to Emily who always tells me, she was like, you gave me so much. Uh, She was like, you gave me the one of the best bars I've used all the time. I was like, what's that? She was like, sometimes you got to have extended grace for some people (laughs) (laughs) because you, you, it's complicated. It gets complex. Like these people are people that you love or you feel ways about, or you may change your mind. You know, like, and I, and I think I've walked my life in that way to try to have extended grace for people know that they still are in a phase of trying to figure some shit out with themselves uh but i think awareness you get you get that by awareness obviously but what would you say is a way that you can practice nuanced grace how you how do you practice nuanced grace in your own community or just at large
1: yeah i think i think it looks like really sitting down and challenging your your current notion of what right or wrong looks like to no longer look at it in a binary like it all this will, these things will always mean right and these things will always be wrong. I think it really looks like challenging that and also looks like challenging. If all the people you're fighting for looks like you you're not doing the work right. Right, it has to be a more melting pot of identities a melting pot of opinions, you have to disagree with yourself right to grow. <laughs> um, And so. Yeah, reshaping what right and wrong looks like is, is is not a there are no fixed no fixed places to be. And that can be that can be uncomfortable, right? So yeah, we have to really like sit with that work and like be okay with being uncomfortable.
0: Mm, I love that. That's a great fucking answer. I love that so
1: much.
0: <laughs> um tell the people, please, how they can follow you, how they can support you, how they can just keep up with all the things that involve everything, Francesca Lamar. Please let them know
1: yeah you can keep up with me um, on Instagram my name is Francesca Lamar and that's Francesca with an H and then Lamar with two R's and an E at the end um, I'm on Twitter at catch this love um, that's, and a then, um, that's a good name that's a good
0: name that's a good name that sounds like that sounds like some things but you know go ahead <laughs> thank you
1: thank you thank you <laughs> And then I'm on the podcast. podcast is called we gonna get free and that's on everything Instagram Twitter all, it's all the same. And that's W-E-G-O-N apostrophe G-E-T-F-R-E-E.
0: Damn. The fact that, that was available is crazy.
1: On every site.
0: Damn. <laughs> See, that's, that says so much. <laughs> that says so much. <laughs> if nobody got that.
1: Everywhere.
0: <laughs> nobody. Everywhere.
1: <laughs> that's what I, I was like. it's kind of sad, but it's also
0: kind yeah. of <laughs> Yeah, it <laughs> is. It oh is.
1: Goodness, nobody <laughs> believes. me. Yeah,
0: like did it pop up in Google at least? Damn.
1: Every every possible site that you could want for a social connection or interaction or like even a platform, it was available.
0: Oh my God, we got it! Look, get to it. You can get all the things in the description of this podcast. In the description of this particular episode, you can get to all those links very quickly. Uh, I thank you so much for joining me. If you don't know, you should know. Uh, You can follow me everywhere, kings underscore memoirs, follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG, go and like the Facebook page at Simply King Podcast, make sure you go and check out my business page at Life as King, um, where you can get all the things various from various digital marketing uh, services as well as creative production. I appreciate you, I appreciate you, I appreciate you in advance. Make sure you share this, because I make family size content, you'd be mad as hell if you sat there and ate that whole bag of chips by yourself, but you know. Be greedy with me, I guess, you know, I appreciate you. Um, But no, this has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast from humans, Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry. This has been the lovely, the very intelligent and somebody who just wants us to get free. The Francesca Lamar. And this has been Simply King. Peace.